When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. Welcome to AFL Nation. Gary Rowan wins it after the siren with a dead eye shot. Where are you, buddy? There he is! <laughs> he juggles the mark at the front. Ball to Springer, the magic man. He's done it again. Jake Springer, the everywhere man. He says the chance to get through. Bontempelli! Simply the bot! Gives it to Gord. Willie from 55. He's done it before, all the time in the world. He was never going to miss. Bailey on ice and scores a level at the Gabba. At the final bell, it's a grand new flag. 57 years of torment eased. And a curse lifted. Melbourne Premiers in 2021. AFL Nation. The first two nights of footy have offered an exhilarating start to the fresh season. Melbourne fans in a celebratory mood. Blues fans left joyous last night. The sounds, the sounds of the MCG on that Thursday night will last a while, I reckon, in this town. And now it's the time, it's the turn for the Magpie fans and the Saints fans to descend on Marvel to flick on the radio, to peek at the TV and get their first impressions. It has been an era for drought-breaking. Do Saints fans dare dream that it might be their turn soon enough? And for Magpie fans, it's a new beginning. The new coach is in place, and we all wonder what that will look like. Collingwood under Craig McRae. Friday night footy under the roof with the sexy new screens in place at Marvel. It's St Kilda and Collingwood on AFL Nation for Red Energy, Move with Red Energy and Regional Development Victoria. Jared Waitley with you. Anthony Hudson is with me. Hello, hello. Hello, Jared, and good evening, everyone, on this uh, Friday night. Is that them? Is that I just had to double-check with you that that I was know. actually the sexy screens? I thought they were going to be just a bit more so, than they are. So can I. They're a little bit bigger than what was here, yeah. and they're hanging from either end, and they're a lovely addition, yeah. but they're not eye-popping. No, no, they're not. They're not. But... Uh, Anyway, we'll, uh, we'll see them in action. It'll be something different when people come here. It, it has been two astonishing nights, hasn't it, at the MCG? And the special moment with Sam Doherty last night. I, I've got a lot of friends that are Carlton and Richmond, and it's been a miserable time for, uh, for Carlton supporters, as we know. And Tiger, I think the Tiger fans were in shock last night more than anything. And so there's been a fair bit of byplay going on uh, around the people I know, but it was it was it was fantastic. It was hard hard not to be excited for Carlton and poor old Vossi after getting the, the crucial win to get his coaching uh, his second coaching stint underway. He's going to have to watch from afar next yeah. week. 
I suspect had he done a test on the opening siren, he would have been whisked away and not been there to witness it as uh, matters have developed. And this one has sort of kind of gone under the radar, hasn't it, up until now? So, yeah, hard to hard to work out who's, who's going to win tonight. Looking forward to hearing from our experts. So, Eric, we're going on the journey. The para- We will be the parable of the old bull and the young bull, I think, this year. Okay. If I could You're the you, old bull and I'm the young bull. <laughs> if I could offer you any one line, there are some pretty smart old bulls in this world. Learn from them. Our old bull is a Hall of Fame member. He's a Brownlow medalist. He's a media institution. Jared Healy, welcome back to our Friday nights. Great to be here. I was hoping you were going to say I was a young bull, Jared, but uh, <laughs> probably those days have uh, long gone. I'm a bit with you. It's a bit like turning up to a friend's place and he's got a 36-inch TV <laughs> coming up here after promising he had the, uh, the new expanded 64-inch or it's 85 these days. Yeah, a little bit less than uh, impressive, I've got to say, having had the big build-up. Uh, yeah, not as big as perhaps one would have expected, given that half of it is safe for advertising. I mean, the screen may well be less. Nevertheless, uh, I just want to make a comment about Carlton. Footy's better when Carlton is good, particularly on the back of a shocking run. And the beauty of having a leader like Michael Voss, I think, re-emerge in footy is an absolute plus. Voss, the assistant coach, doesn't ring as truly as Voss the boss. And I reckon <laughs> Voss the boss is going to re-emerge. He's and, still in good form, yeah, Jared. And what a start it was last night. I, I was really thrilled for Carlton people. They've had it so tough for so long. And uh, I was really pleased that uh, they came across on And didn't they play a good brand of footy? Yep. Yeah, they were in good form, the Blues fans, this morning. They were terrific listening while I was having a walk. So your young bull, Jared, is straight out of the game. He is. He's a former Melbourne captain, which puts him in good company. He's a 300-gamer, which puts him in even better company. And when he was with the Generations of Melbourne on Thursday night, his cheer was second only to Ron Barassi. So Doesn't that's surprise. as good an accolade Doesn't as surprise <laughs> at all. Nathan Jones, welcome to AFL Nation. Oh, thanks, fellas. It's uh, it's exciting to be here. It's it's been an oh, it's been a great couple of nights for me, really. Uh, it's the first time ever, or well, not ever, but post football career that I've sat on the other side of the fence and just enjoyed a couple of games. Obviously, being there Wednesday night, um, watching the D's, being part of the flag unfurling, and uh, that was a great honour, obviously. And to see them get the job done, uh, the perks of post-footy life, sitting up in the MCC. Um, my wife and I are lucky to be invited to the committee room, so not sure that really fits with sort of my demographic, maybe. But um, <laughs> we enjoyed the hospitality nonetheless. And uh, and then last night, I was uh, obviously had a bit of a role to play in uh, in some off-field stuff. And as uh, as Jared mentioned before, it was awesome to see, particularly with the you know the emergence of Carlton under Vossi. And um, you know, I think I agree totally. It's uh, it's exciting for footy. You've given so much of yourself through uh, every heartbeat's true, Mike Stocko, um, and then to be out there on Wednesday night and to feel... So the love for you was palpable. I wonder, what, what do you feel at the moment? <laughs> um, oh, look, it's been an interesting six months, really, um, and the roller coaster of emotion that I've been on, but I, I sort of got to a point where I found some some great perspective on the entire situation that I um, sort of found myself in and uh, I probably opened myself up really to the um, love and appreciation that I have received over that period of time. And um, the other night was pretty unreal, really um, surreal in some sense. Uh, You know, obviously we were there to celebrate the boys' premiership, but the acknowledgement particularly for the past players that were lucky enough to be involved in in uh, you know carrying out the flag, um, yeah, it's it's definitely a moment that I'll uh, I'll never forget. 
Explain it's nice to see Greg Wells out there as well. Yep. I think Wellsy went to pre to Carlton, won a premiership. But when I turned up, Wellsy was an institution. Uh, had the ankle bandages on, uh, which I always tell him got him half his Brownlow votes. But uh, he was a fantastic player. I think an underrated player in history, and it was great to see him out there also because he represented a tough era for Melbourne, an era through the 70s. You know, they were post the... It's a bit like the Hawthorne era now. They were post the greatness of the 60s, and they battled hard. They didn't play in too many finals, if any at all, um, and it was great to see him represent uh, that era because they also deserve recognition because they've been part of the the whole story of uh, what's been a successful ending to the drought. It felt pitch perfect, what it they did. did. Yeah. So we'll work our way back through a couple of great nights of footy. But for Collingwood and St Kilda fans who are on their way here now, who are in their cars heading for home to be settled for when it all starts, what, what do we feel towards tonight? Well, look, I find it difficult to know who's going to win this particular game, but I know that there's a lot more at stake for St Kilda. Now, St Kilda got a host of really good players out. Ryder, Zach Jones, Billings, Caulfield and Hunter Clark. All, questionably Caulfield, but all in their starting lineup. I mean, they, they are keys to their game. But if they are going to amount to something this year, they've got to win a game like this. Whereas Collingwood's probably got a bit more of a free hit, Jonesy. I think that they're coming in with a new coach. They've got a few players out, but nothing like the calibre. And they're on a rebuild. I don't think their ambitions are for finals, whereas for St Kilda, it's finals. And if you want to play finals, you have got to beat the likes of Collingwood this year, albeit with a couple of people out. Yeah, for sure. I think um, oh, it's the difference in expectation, really. Um, you know, we're, we're going to see the, the true essence of St Kilda's depth, particularly with the names out that you mentioned. But I think they've got to find a way. If they want to break into the eight and they want to be a successful finals team, they're going to have to unearth someone that can fill that void um, in a case like they find themselves in now with players missing. I think Collingwood on the flip side, new coach, I think we're all still sort of working out what sort of style they're going to play and who plays where. And um, I think there's an exciting element to that. I'm, I'm really interested to see what that looks like and, uh, and how, you know, McRae can sort of impart his, his style on, on the current crop of players that he's got. And they haven't got a hopeless team in. I mean, you look from the back line... Um, you got uh, Moore and Quainer and Nick, Nick Dacos and Jeremy Howe and Scott Penelope. I mean, it's pretty big names down there. Through the middle of the ground, you got Josh Dacos, who keeps getting better. Taylor Adams and Sidebottom, I, I suspect he'll play through the middle. It's probably forward of that that the challenge comes. Majek didn't play in Sydney. He's certainly going to make them uh, a better side. Elliot and Dugowie. I mean, it's a pretty fair full forward line. And then you got... A couple of kids and Mason Cox with the glasses. So <laughs> let's hope that the glasses help him and uh, he starts to fulfil the promise that he showed in a couple of uh, finals. So they were, at points in the year they'll be much younger yeah. than tonight. So it does strike me that they'll put it out there. Yep. Try and get a grab and, a win. Yep, and see where they are and then make their adjustments because they have committed themselves to pumping games into young yep. players. Not, not on night one. Yeah, look, I think there's a real fine balance. Like, I've lived and breathed that situation, the situation they're in right now. New coach, they're, they're on the sort of crossroad of the list, whether they go all young or all old. And from my experience, I think the, you've got to find that balance. And you can't put too much expectation on these younger guys. You've got to allow them to flourish under the experienced heads. And uh, I think I like his tactic for tonight. I like the team they've selected. I think you've nailed it, Jared. They've got some... On paper, 
Mm. The team seems quite quality, and uh, that's what sort of uh, excites me to see how and what he does with the team in terms of manipulating who plays where and, and can he sort of bring the strengths out of some of those guys that we know in their own right have been really strong, successful AFL players, but can he bring them together and, uh, and produce a team result? Matt Rendell is a person we all know in football. He sees a lot and he's got a, uh, a good head for the game. He's recruited a lot of the Collingwood blokes in a, in a previous uh, uh, time in the game. He feels as if this group can almost play finals this year. I think that's probably a stretch, but... Well, Nathan Buckley, the former coach, was yeah. really optimistic. He, he did admit, uh, Jared, I think on your show, that the, the difference between where they could finish down low and up the top was as expansive a gap as any team. But he, mm. now, I don't know whether the ex-coach kind of has to, has to be more positive from a public point of view than he honestly thinks, but that's Bucks pretty much says it straight. And so that was... In, I, I was sort of... Not, maybe not taken aback, but surprised how optimistic he thought the upper echelon could be for Cup. For well, they've got some pretty good names. Yeah. I mean, we saw under uh, Robert Harvey last year when they started to move the ball quicker. You know, their ball movement numbers went from, you know, about 18th in the competition back half to front half to about mid-table. Now, with the new coach coming in, it's going to be about ball movement. It'll be about guys running back hard to defend. But that connection inside the forward 50 has been a horrible... Uh, I guess, exhibition of footy that's continued to plummet since 2018 when they had so much great success. So that's the areas we're going to be looking at just to see what Craig McRae can conjure in the early part of the year. And we get our first look at Nick Dacos yeah. in the main game. We've had a lot of looks along the way. He's as foretold a footballer as there's been in many a year. How many possessions will he get on the first night? You get 30. 30. The, the question Ooh, is... And I, and I, that's a huge debut. Uh, well, I saw him get 35 last uh, two weeks ago in Sydney against the Giants, and they were having a feeling on crack. <laughs> and he, I mean, he was about seven in front of the next best by half time. It was, he'll get a, I just wonder whether he'll end up getting tagged across our back on his first <laughs> game. Boot. But it's, I think the question will be, do you, do you need him more in the forward line? Because he's such a, you know, he's such a gifted player. Or do you just let him cruise into it across the half back line? Maybe McRae says, well, last year the connection between back half and front half was poor. We need Pendlebury down there, good ball user. And we need uh, Dacos down there, great ball user. And he may just keep him there. But it's got to turn into goals. If it doesn't turn into goals, then ultimately you've got to shift the, uh, the magnets. If it's 30 on debut, our post-game conversation's going to be pretty lively, I reckon. <laughs> That's a day out, absolutely. I'm backing you in, though. I haven't seen too much of him. Obviously, I've heard all the reports and stuff, so I'm excited to see what he puts out there tonight. But if it's something like that, oof, we'll be There's excited. a young bloke at North Melbourne that'll be tuning in, yeah. I can tell you. Yeah, there will. I remember, I don't think it was his debut. I don't think it was, but Tom Scully early on, and he had a 39, I reckon, yeah. in about his second or third game at the MCG. And uh, being with Mick Moulthouse, I can't remember what Mick Moulthouse said, but he, he made some comment about what, what a champion he was going to end up being. And we all thought that at that stage. Yeah. It didn't quite end up that way. But, uh, so it is possible early on. So those are the terms for Collingwood. What about the terms for St Kilda for this year? So under Ratton, they make the finals, they get their generational breakthrough, they blow the first half of last season, which yep. has a lot to do with preparation. They iron out a lot under their own steam and finish well. Nobody really believes in them coming into this year, though. No, I, I must admit, though, I felt that they got a lot right in the back half of the season last year. I think the move of Hill to the half-back line, they've experimented with battle across the uh, half-back line as well. They found a couple of players. 
Um, I like them as a finals contender this year. Clearly, it's you know it's it's only going to be dependent if you get there with injury. And when Ryder went down and Jones and then Billing does a hamstring and Hunter Clark, uh, he has a problem as well. You think to yourself, well, they're going to have to hang tough here. They're going to have to just, you know, get get a couple of wins early, even if it's 50-50, get your, your troops back. But I like sides that finish the season well. And then I reckon they can go on and play finals footy. And, and we've seen that throughout. Melbourne two years ago when they, you know, at the shocking start to the season or average stuff, finished well ended up winning a flag the following year. We saw it when Richmond uh, started winning flags. We saw it when the Bulldogs won the flag in 2015. They finished the season well. So, you know, I, I like the Saints. They're not certain to play finals, obviously, but I think they've done everything they can from an off-field perspective to generate opportunities on the field. Injuries always plays a part. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think there's a lot of parallels to the experience that I've seen, particularly in the last three years with Melbourne. Um, you know, they've sort of gone back and forward, step forward, step back. But is there the quality <laughs> there? Is there the quality at St Kilda that there was? Well, that's that's sort of the argument or the point that I made earlier around their depth. This is what's going to stretch them and challenge them. But if they are going to take the next step, they have to unearth someone. And as Jared said, they've got to hang tough at the minute. Sure, they aren't putting their best team out on the field. But that sort of all comes down to you know, the way they play and the personnel they've got. They've got to be able to find a way. Um, and... Everyone talks up round one as how important it is. We're all hyped up, season starting, but you, you've just got to you got to get five, six, seven games in, and 50-50, just start to get the ball rolling in your favour, get some consistency, get some form. A lot of it as well comes down to luck, and um, I think that's ultimately what's in, in St Kilda's case. I think their best is good enough, but they've got to you know narrow that gap and find some luck keeping their best team out there. Hutter, you asked the question, have they got the talent? I mean, the, that's a twofold question. We're dealing with making the eight. Have they got the talent to win a flag? Well, it doesn't look like it at the present time, but, you know, there are people there that can have some serious organic growth, and, and one of them is Max King in the front mm. half. Kicked yep. a lot of goals last year, should kick a lot more this year. Gresham comes back into the side. That's a major plus, but... You know, they're skinny at the present time as far as a flag is concerned, but that's a process. You know, to start it, you've got to get back in the eight, get a couple more players, go again, go again, and then hopefully it unfolds. It doesn't look to me like a Melbourne where they can go outside the eight, inside the eight, win a flag. Yeah. That doesn't look capable. But I think most St Kilda people would be pretty happy if they're back playing finals again this year. St Kilda and Collingwood tonight, so we are going to talk. We couldn't let the season start without touching base with Justin Lepage just to see how much he's changed since uh, we let him out of our grasp no last comment, season. Jared, no yes. comment. So he'll flat bat us away. We'll touch base with both teams in the lead up. Last night, so how big an impression, how real an impression did Carlton make on you, Nathan? Oh, I just love the way they played. I, I, the system that I saw unfolding, again, saw many parallels to the experience that I'd lived. And having ran into um, Paddy Cripps a week or so ago, um, just after they'd knocked off Melbourne in the pre-season, and um, we were lucky enough to talk sort of behind the scenes before we went and, you know, did an appearance together. And uh, I sort of mentioned, you know, how, how much did you put into that game, like, and how valuable it is to bank wins when you've got a new coach, you're running a new system, you want to build belief... I think with Carlton, like, they've got such a strong list on paper. Like, I love their spine and the, the players that they've added, the depth, particularly around the mm. midfield, didn't that pay dividends last night? Like, wow, we saw such 
terrific games, particularly from the four key midfield boys. George Hewitt looks like a different person. Like, yeah. He looks just... a better player in the blue jumper. <laughs> he, does. he has he been does. a terrific player for Sydney, but yeah. he looked a more powerful player in that navy blue jumper. But uh, Chera's a star. I mean, Chera is... There's been very few players cross clubs with that sort of talent in recent times yeah. when they're so young. I mean, he is an and, and for no reason, like there's nothing's yeah. gone wrong. No. It was just that he wanted to come back. He is. He was a kid that was going, you know, on a sharp trajectory over in the in the West, and he's come here at the cherry ripe time. But for me, last night, the the best thing I saw last night was Paddy Cripps. Paddy Cripps was described by Lethal last year on on uh, Sports Day as almost a plotter. He's never seen a bloke as good become such a, a pedestrian player. Well, last night, he's actually better than he was mm. when he uh, when, when he was a superstar. That was the best game nearly, I reckon, I've seen him play. Yeah, but that, it all comes down to the... I think it comes down to the system they play and the depth and support that he had around him. I think um, he's injured last year too. Oh, for sure. There's no doubt about that. But you, you think about the load that Matty Kennedy in particular... Mm took off him. What a game he played and what a transformation, really. He was covering the ground as good as I've seen any midfielder cover the ground. And he's big-bodied. And I think the way Voss has set them up to play, they are set up to be contest, you know, crack in, win stoppage, win clearance, get the ball forward. And they've set up a really sure defensive system behind mm. that, which is allowing their midfielders to play their strengths. And last night, you know, Paddy Cripps tore the game apart, playing to his strengths. The other one I really like at Carlton, and you know, I know they've got the uh, the reigning Coleman medalist, but there's a kid to Coning. He could, he could be as good, if not better, than Harry. And I, I just reckon he's potentially like he can become that unbelievable forward stroke ruckman. Uh, so just he, he is with a bullet for me. That ruck contest in the final term when they were coming and he got right up over the top and tapped it down. Like, there aren't many who no. do that and they're a special breed, they the are, ones who do I that. I remember one emerging over in the West that I sort yes. of uh, got onto early in the piece. <laughs> and if you can be the foot... I mean, it's, that's a critical position. No, not many... Not many, Even going back to the history of footy, not many teams have no. had. Well, they've got a terrific setup up there. I really like the way Silvani played and the way he moves as a forward. They've got Mackay... They've got DeConing. They've got a terrific, like, bunch of keys. And Kerno's obviously going to... Then you add Kerno into be the mix. In there are a couple games. of little smalls that are yeah. super dangerous at ground level. Uh, well, there's a few of them, actually. And, you know, then you add to the depth of their midfield. I think, really, it's just shoring up that back line and the, the way they play. But I think the system may end up being able to cover those holes. I think the challenge for them is just going to be, can they consistently do that? Yeah, and it's a challenge for people within the team as well. One of them, which is, I think we're going to look at a lot this year, is Mitch McGovern. He reminds me of Jeremy Howe. I'm staggered they didn't try him there the last three years. It's just been bewildering. It is, yeah. But the beauty of him is he's a great interceptor, but he's, he's arguably their best kick. Oh, what a beautiful so kick he is. So he comes off the half-back line, and he is, he's got great vision, and... I mean, it was just a waste of two years for that kid and for that club playing in the forward line. It was never going to work. It, I mean, it was probably the way it all started, though. He didn't, didn't come in the best condition. I understand all he? that. His body's Got a problem. But, I mean, I thought it was fairly significant. I mean, He'd done it in Adelaide in small doses. That's, course, yeah. that's where the, the, the criticism Evidently, it's in the DNA. There's a bloke <laughs> over in the West that does it okay that's as well. <laughs> so let's just hope his body stays with him. He's, he's got his maturity, as has Zach Williams, and they've finally got fit. And uh, they look potent. What about Richmond? Like the, the worries of last year re-emerged. I thought they'd be solved. I thought they'd be fresh. And mm. 
They didn't run out of the game. No. They were woefully undisciplined. So a few of the elements that brought them unstuck last year, with the, I thought they'd be cured, but they were there. They were. I think I think we're all old enough, well, some of us are old enough, yeah, to, to know you never make big calls after round one. But, um, I mean, there's a lot of, lot of ill discipline, which I think that they would have all been disappointed with. A lot of Richmond supporters today were blowing about the 50-metre penalties, but the whole competition, I think, is embraced that particular rule and so you know we're sick and tired of seeing uh, the history the the, the, the uh histrionics yeah. histrionics is the word nice. i was looking for thanks <laughs> um and you know somebody gives one away too or you end up with six or seven yeah. that, that is just poor form so i don't know the tigers need to make a statement and make one quickly how was your i think the statements this? around the contest for me um you know i think they still had all their weapons in general pay i liked some of their defensive efforts I liked when they were able to force Carlton into a turnover through the middle of the ground. They still looked as potent as ever on the rebound to score against. But for me, Carlton just took them to school around the contest, particularly centre bounce. Um, and, yeah, like, ultimately, um, if, you, if, you, if they want to get back to their best, they're going to have to be able to win their fair share around those contests to, to give themselves an opportunity or else they end up losing too much territory and they've got to just play this transition game and teams... Teams that have a good enough system defensively, they're, 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 um, I think they're going to find themselves in, in trouble more often than not. There was a feeling, I think, that they, were, they went in a bit underdone. A few mm. did, like Nan Curvis and... So they, and they were Yeah, and they were cramping at the end. Presti. Uh, obviously lost Presti early, so... yeah, we, That's a worry now, isn't it, It's a big loss, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, loss. Their midfield's starting to look a bit skinny. I know Edwards uh, didn't play well, and he's, he's still a terrific player. Lambert's a big out. Lambert's too. a big out. Presti's almost an out. I mean, he's, he's another four weeks yep. now, and they may have to wait six weeks given he's had recurring hammies. Yeah. All right, so that's last night. We'll work our way back through Melbourne and the Bulldogs, but our focus, St Kilda and Collingwoods, uh, over the next half hour or so, we'll touch base with both sides of the coin. Justin Lepich, senior assistant coach at the Pies, is going to join us next. Nathan Jones and Jared Healy with you, the pre-game show for the Beaumont Tiles, Australia's Biggest. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. For all your tiling needs, in stock now. Stadium, it's St Kilda and Collingwood. AFL Nation is for Red Energy. Move with Red Energy and Regional Development Victoria. Jared Waitley and Anthony Hudson to call it for you. Old Bull Jared Healy, Young Bull Nathan Jones. And to get our season underway, an old friend, he went back to the dark side, although his colleagues will say he spent a year on the dark side with us. Justin Lepich, he's in the Collingwood tracksuit, zipped up to the chin. Lepa, great to have you back on AFL Nation. Oh, you can see me from the boundary line, can you? I'll send you a little wave. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, are you looking forward to tonight? I am. It's, uh, it's weird. Uh, it's a, a new experience again. It's a new group. It's a new game styling and... New coach, and, and, and it's yeah a lot of unknown to it, to be perfectly honest. Last time I coached, there's clearly a lot of certainty and a lot of consistency in what we're doing. So um, just looking forward to see what we can produce. How many lines are you in charge of tonight with the COVID absences? <laughs> well, it's funny, yeah. Brendan Bolton's gone down, so that hasn't helped. I think we're going to have to get used to that this year. Um, I think the players are more important than the coaches, let's be honest. If we lose good players, you'd, you'd rather lose uh, good coaches and good players, that's for sure. Lepper, can I ask you whether last night, seeing your old mate Michael Voss back in the chair, 
made you feel a little bit uh, jealous and maybe thinking, oh, it's going to be me again one day. <laughs> no, I wasn't thinking that. I was just, I was just too happy for him. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's such an important thing for not just Vossi but the Carlton Footy Club to get off to a good start. And there's a lot of pressure on him and it's been really difficult for him, even just the move and things people don't realise, you know, moving family over and things like that. His wife's never lived here and coming to Melbourne in the cold and you're dealing with a lot of other things as well, not just the, the footy club. So I was just wrapped for him and, and then I hear he's got COVID, hasn't he? Yeah, he's yes. top, geez. So he might be out for his second game. It hasn't been cold yet, Lepa. She hasn't <laughs> experienced anything yet. Oh, well, no, no. It's more that she's lived in Queensland her whole life so she's not there. The anticipation of it, I think. I know. Hey, Lepa, obviously a new coaching group this year for the Pies. Where have you spent your chips over the summer? What, what are the key areas we can see you guys have focused on and uh, what are you looking for from the group tonight? Uh, well, there's been a lot of new uh, offensively and defensively. Um, we're playing a completely different system and that's why, you know, there's, there's going to be some teething issues in it. We're trying to protect our defence a little bit more, but whilst at the same time just, just a, a bit more ping with the ball and give us opportunities. But when you do that, it can get messier and, and there can be mistakes and... Uh, you know, at times, you, you know, can you lose some efficiency because you're not really controlling the ball. You're almost creating chaos. So when you create a bit more chaos, you can often create some mistakes. So there might be some patience needed uh, within it. But I, I think we're very confident it can work well over time. One of the problems last year, Leper, was just the movement of the ball from the back half to the front half. Are we going to see a quicker brand, a, a brand that both you and the coach uh, would have witnessed so often at Richmond? Oh, yeah. Well, without, without comparing teams, yeah, we want to definitely move the ball more, maybe more by hand as well, um, to break lines. Um, it's definitely in the last four or five seasons, the, the use of hand to break lines to get over the back of defences is a really important method um, in using the ball. Look, at times we'll go into that kick control game when we yep. think we need to. You, you can't just be all one style. But, um, but, yeah, look, I'm just looking forward to seeing how the boys go. Paddy Lipinski and Nick Dacos. Tonight, mate, a couple of fresh new faces. What can we expect from them? Oh, look, I mean, Nick's just a, a, a you know future star in the making. We know that he's he's been that way through through juniors. I've been really impressed with Paddy. To be perfectly honest, I didn't know a lot about him. He he was always in and out of the Bulldogs team, and he, he'd have good games and then not be seen for bits. So I, I wasn't quite sure where his best position would be, but. Um, him as a as that sort of hard running midfielder, he's been really impressive. So he'll come up from half forward and and he and he gets in and he equalises forward really well. So he's been a, a great find and a great pickup. How much do you go past the and, and review the historical numbers? Um, for for an example, centre bounce clearances. The the numbers tell you that side bottom is your best clearance player, and yet he's been in the centre clearances the least. Does that do you do a sort of a trawl through the history of what uh, you've been like the last couple of years and, and try and glean some sort of areas you can improve based on numbers? Or do you just start afresh? No, you, you do a bit of both. I mean, a lot of our analysts have been here in the past, and you're right, it's, it's finding the balance with Steele, where he, I think he himself felt he was in a bit of a lull last year, and Clearly, he's been one of the best wingmen in the competition the last 10 seasons, but we're really mindful not to, you know, if the season goes on and it just becomes starvation corner for, for him out in the wing, we've got to change that. And and, and whilst you, whatever you start with, you don't always... Uh, we're not a fixed mindset. You know, you might have to change 
some period throughout the season. But at this point in time, you know, we think he's been doing some good work there. We've got some some good guys in centre square. We've got Elliot we've used a bit more yep. in there. And, and clearly, Geordie's a, a good centre square player too. So it, it is a watch though, Jared. And how's Craig been going? And what, what have you noticed as a, as a senior coach in him compared to as an assistant? Well, even just as a player, it's the first time in his life he's been the main man. Yeah. I don't think he's ever done a media interview till last year, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite amazing. So he's dealing with a lot. Um, well, this role he's doing now, it's, it's less about line coaching and team coaching. It's more about coaching the club, uh, the coaches, the, you know, the supporters and, and that as well. So it's a, it's a big task, but he's doing a really good job. As you can see, he's got a terrific temperament um, and he's a good person and it's always a good starting point. And have you got Scott Pendlebury under your care now, down back? Yes, it's and he's, he's how, he, how good is it to have him there? Yeah. It's, it's like another coach. It's um, it's quite amazing. He's one of the rare players that, um, you know, things will happen in a game and you think, oh, we've got to change this. And and you, you look a minute later and he's already changed it. <laughs> um, it's quite. I've never seen a player like that that can identify lots of little things within a game and. Um, and usually you have to wait to a break or get a runner out there to fix it. it it's normally already fixed within a few minutes. He's quite a, a, probably one of the smartest players I've ever uh, been involved with. Richmond gave away half a dozen or so 50-metre penalties last night. Do you have to talk to players about it or do you think it's self-evident? Oh, yeah, we do talk about it, but you'd like to think it is self-evident. It can be costly, isn't it, really? I mean, it costs games of football now. Yep. Um, and, and it's for the right reason, let's be honest. We've got to make sure that we um, are respectful to everybody within the organisation, um, umpires, everybody. So it, it's, it's, it just has to change. And the opposition tonight, so given how much you're trying to bed down in your own game, how much focus is there on St Kilda and countering what they do? What's that balance like for tonight particularly? Yeah, well, given we're spending so much time introducing so much new to us, it's going to be a bit less. Um, we have to obviously know their key strengths and, and you know, manage those. You just can't walk into a game blind. But also tell, explain to the players where we can get our advantages over them. And that's as simple as it is. And, and as much focus on where we can get them, I think that's going to be the key for tonight. And like every team, you'll have some contingencies where what if this happens and what if that happens? We've, we've done all that. So, um, but not at the risk of, you know, throwing the baby out with the bathwater, that's for sure. Leopard, great to have you with us and uh, good luck for what's to come. Thanks, Jared. I'm sorry I'm not there for crunch time tomorrow. <laughs> I don't know. Who's taking my spot? Uh, we'll have Luke Hodge back with us. So we thought oh, you were a high bar leper, but we found someone with more premierships and more Norm Smiths. Jeez. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, good luck. He's a lot, there's more pressure on Luke Hodge, I think, than anybody this week. <laughs> Terrific. Justin Lepich with us down on the boundary. He must be influential, leper. The point you made was Benamory was a midfielder. He's now a half-back. Nick Dacus could play anywhere. He's on the half-back line. And there was a question mark over whether Darcy Moore was going to go back to the 4-4. But Leper wouldn't sign that contract <laughs> unless Darcy Moore was a defender. He laid absolute custody rights exactly. to Darcy Moore <laughs> at the job interview, I reckon. And for the new coach coming in, so Michael Voss gets the win first up last night, which is worth... It's worth plenty, I'm sure. Some coaches go... What the last one we saw, Matthew Nix went more than half a season yeah. just searching for that first win, just to get one early for all that you're trying to build. And you've lived this a few times. Yeah, mate. absolutely. Oh, I think it's just the confidence. Like you spent all summer, and in in Collingwood's case, it, a lot of it would be new, um, new system defensively, as he said, new system defensively, offensively. Maybe their structures around the midfield and stoppages. So there's a lot to take in, and. I think for particularly their older senior group, it's like, is this going to work? 
and you believe in it for sure. You get the whole summer and you train it, and but it's not until you get out there and you see the fruits of your work. You get a, you get the job done. You go, hang on, this is good, and we keep reviewing that, and you build some momentum and some belief around how you're trying to play. It's imperative for sure. Carlton was in a similar situation, and they're away now. That, and that's when you're a young team or an up-and-coming team, rebuilding team, whatever you want to call it, I think you can never underestimate the value of winning. There is a view that you only get four points for round one, but I spoke to Brian Cook last night, and I reckon he thinks they got eight points. <laughs> because the members that would have been excited, those that are on the cast, will I or won't I, they'd be all on board now. All right, we'll head into the St Kilda camp shortly. Have so for all that's new about Collingwood, it's it, it's really much higher stakes for St Kilda as uh, as we've outlined so far. Could be uh, three debutants too tonight, Jared. Yep, for the Saints. So if uh, if Wanganamalia is the sub, AFL Nation for Holmes Glen study sports with St Kilda Football Club at Holmes Glen. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. For all your tiling needs, in stock now. Nation for Red Energy. Move with Red Energy and Regional Development Victoria. We've spoken to the Pies. Let's check in with the Saints. David Rath is the head of football at St Kilda. David, great to have you on AFL Nation. G'day, Jared. Uh, good Moving. to be back, mate. Great to have a crowd here at... Uh... At the stadium, it's a bit of atmosphere already. It is good to be back. Um, so just the importance of round one, we've been kicking it around. It's a little bit different for each team. How would you define its importance for you? Oh, look, I think on the back of last year, where we obviously had a, you know, a disappointing start to the year and then sort of redressed a few things halfway through and sort of built towards the, the back half of the year. This sets itself up as, a, as, you know, it is a test for us, a chance for us to to prove that the work we've put in um, has, has borne fruit. So, you know, as you said, it does set up differently for other teams, but for us it's definitely a significant test and, you know, a chance to um, to see what, how far we've come. And is there a little bit to overcome given you got untimely injury at the end of the pre-season? Yeah, look, that happens. And I think we had that last year to a, you know, to a greater extent. It's very disappointing for, you know, to lose a couple of players at that point. Um, but, you know, that, that means opportunity, doesn't it? You know, and we see that tonight with Mitch Allen's debuting. Um, but, you know, probably wouldn't have necessarily got that chance without those injuries. So, um, yeah, it's, it's exciting on the other side of that coin as well, I suppose. David, great to have a chat to you. And uh, looking forward to the Saints, uh, I guess, continuing on their improvement on the back half of last year. You, you've got battle at centre-half back and, and Hill across the half-back line with Sinclair. It, it seemed to be one of the... The better moves uh, of last year, Sinclair emerged as a really good uh, attacking defender. Hill, we know his, uh, you know, contribution on the wing, but really hasn't settled there, but looks a totally different player across half-back line. And you finally settled on battle. It looks a really counter-attacking or, you know, counter-punching sort of half-back line. Yeah, we think so. I mean, we sort of like the look of those, those two smalls there that, you know, if opposition forwards are going to get in dumb spots and those guys are going to make a pay um, and use the ball really cleanly on the way out. Sinclair's probably not rated as, as highly externally as we rate him internally. Mm. I think everyone knows the sort of footy Bradley can play, Jared, but, um, you know, Sinks is starting to get some plaudits and, yeah, and Josh has really, you know, blossomed this pre-season. Corey Enright's been really a really good um, addition to our coaching panel in mentoring him. So he, he's sort of, he's growing in front of our eyes. I reckon it has been a bit of a journey for him. He's been thrown around a bit, but he looks to be really consolidating himself down back at the moment, which is really exciting for us. 
Would have been good to be able to find a spot for Corey Enright. I think he was uh, one of the only blokes who uh, won five All-Australians uh, in the 2000s. What a player he was. Oh, he's, he was a fantastic player, wasn't he? And he's just got that calm sense of assurance about him that, um, you know, the players have picked up on that straight away. And, and you, you obviously respect someone like that for what they've done, but he's a ripping person too and knows his footy inside out. So he's been a, a really good addition to our program. He could, prob- he could probably be on your COVID backup list too, couldn't he, I reckon? <laughs> <laughs> we might have to drive that one, Hutto. Uh, James Gallagher will be, uh, be looking at that for sure. And the return of Jade Gresham, Dave. Uh, we're obviously vital cog, been missing for a while now through a few injuries here and there. Where, where will we see him deployed tonight? Yeah, yeah look, he'll, he'll spend time forwarding. He'll probably get a, a little bit of time in the midfield as well, Hutto. He's obviously one of those guys who can... You know, impact the game in those critical moments. He doesn't need a lot of touches to um, to have a big impact. And so we sort of we like the look of him, you know, across the arcs and, and making those smart decisions. Um, but he does give us that punch, and you know, we need a little bit of speed inside. And so having him in there for bursts is really handy as well. Tell us a, a, a bit about the the debutants. Is it Mitch or Machito Owens? Uh, yeah, Machito. Yeah, he uh, Cheeto. The boys call him. Um, so. He, as footy clubs do, they tend to give nicknames pretty quickly. But um, yeah, he's a ripper. He's um, he he sort of made a pretty immediate impact pre-season. Well, I remember we were doing a session. We were training at um, Brighton Grammar there. Um, our oval was being you know, redone, and there was a session there where not a big oval, but um, Nick Caulfield took off from half back, and Mitch would have given him probably you know 15 metres, and over 40 metres he just dug his heels in, and you know basically gritted the teeth and chased him down. It was um, it was fantastic to see that, you know, the endeavour of the kid and he... Uh, I'm sorry, something beeping in the background here, boys. Sorry if that's uh, coming over okay. the top. Um, yeah, he, um, he um, you know, showed his endeavour really quickly and as, as, you know, probably had a little bit of a flat spot a couple of weeks in where, where he was adjusting for loads, but he's come out the other side of that now and um, we're really excited about him. Um, and the other one's Jack Hayes, who's debuting tonight. So another really good story of a, a kid no, I'm not a kid. He's an older player who's, who's come from the Sandfield, obviously. Um, had some real success over there. Was best on ground in the granny last year. Um, mature age, big body competitor. And the boys actually love playing with him too. So he's a really honest type. Um, and, we, you know, we think he'll add fun to our mix. Looking at your injuries, you've got three of your uh, starting lineup missing from the midfield in Jones, Billings and Hunter Clark. Who are you hoping will be able to step up? And does it mean that Jack Higgins gets more of a run through the middle of the ground? Uh, he'll, he'll possibly get a little bit more, more as a high forward and maybe coming into the stoppage a little bit. Probably not yep. as much, you know, you know, starting midfield minutes, Jared. It probably means that, you know, Seb Ross we used obviously a little bit more on a wing at times last year. It means he has to shoulder a bit more of the load. Um, you know, Crouchy will, will spend the bulk of the time in there and yep. dearly. But that means that, you know, Mitch, Mitch Owens will get a good look at it, which is exciting for him. He's not going to come in and play a bit part role. He's going to get yep. that midfield minute, which is exciting. Um, and there's a few others that we can we can throw through there. But, you know, we're, we're a little bit stretched for that, but that's okay. It's an opportunity there. And um, we'll find out a bit about a few um, over the next few weeks as, as we work through that. You're one of the great students of the trends of the games, David. Are you running a few theories on what we might see in 2022 beyond St Kilda and what you might have seen in the first couple of games? Yeah, it's always it's always hard to judge earlier, I reckon, Jared. But it, it seemed to me that the you know the couple of games that we've seen so far have been um, a little bit more of that you know that offensive energy around the contest has been really discriminative. That you know perhaps less of the possession style, which we saw was waning 
over over a period of time. But it's um, you know it, it looks a little bit to me like some of the old fashioned you know contest footy that is really live and exciting, and players with the ability to burst and use their speed around the contest are really coming into the game again, which which I think is a great feature. Um, I don't think it ever went totally, but I think it probably was on the way in there for a while. But I think maybe that's coming back. It's, it's pretty early, but um, that's probably an observation early. So why why would that be, Rathi? Well, I think, you know, we tend to copy the leaders, mate. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, both Richmond and, and Melbourne have, have played that way. Um, and, you know, that tends to be the, the trend that people pick up and have a crack at it and, you know, master their version of that and build build it into their, their program the best they can. Um, Usually with these things, there's a fair bit of um, you know, IP leakage over time and, and people move from programs. And, you know, obviously, you know, it'll be interesting to see Collingwood tonight. They're playing a little bit faster over the pre-season. And that's probably, you know, on the back of, you know, some coaches with some, you know, who have come from other clubs who have got some input into that sort of stuff as well. So, you know, it, it definitely does follow the leader. And I think that's what we're seeing and we'll continue to see. David, of the two games, the, the one similarity they had was there were these incredible momentum swings. Firstly, the Bulldogs mm. in Melbourne, and then again last night. Uh, I mean, momentum is is a great thing to have on your side. It's very difficult when it's running against you. Do you think that's a feature and that you're going to have to coach holding momentum when it's uh, running against you? Oh, I think so, Jared. I mean, I think... You know, six 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 is obviously a big part of that inability. You know, centre bounce has been so, um, you know, determinative, determinative yep. I think, yep. um, so far in both games. And that's, you know, centre bounces are, we know they're really volatile and, and, and the game can bounce really quickly on, on the outcomes of them. So that's part of it. But I also think, you know, the capacity of teams to work their way through, um, you know, moments in, in quarters and, and knuckle down, as you're referring to, is, is going to become more significant. Um, you know, you look at it the way that, um, you know, the game last night, you know, the ability for um, Carlton to weather Richmond's, you know, time in the sun and then not give them back the ball like they were for a while. They sort of, they, you know, Richmond want to play hard off the turnover um, and Carlton were for a little while they were giving them that and then they realised, I think, that um, they needed to adjust and they stopped doing that and they knuckled down and, and got it on their terms. So, yeah, I think that's a feature for sure. David, uh, great to chat. Good luck for tonight and for the journey ahead. Thanks, Jared. Thanks, boys. David Routh is the head of football at St Kilda. A- and momentum has... Be- I mean, it's the god of modern footy, oh. isn't it? I remember talking to a guy called Jack Giddy, who was uh, a bit of a legendary fitness coach in rugby league terms, and he was uh, the fitness guy for the Swans when I turned up. And I was sitting on a bus with him, and he- he's a great old bloke. He passed away a few years ago, and uh, hopefully one day the Swans will recognise his performance and uh, make him a Hall of Fame member up there. That's how impactful he was in the uh, era under Tom Hafey. But I was sitting here and he was t- talking to me about this new innovation that the Russians were dealing with, and it was about momentum, how to get it, how to control it when you got it, and how to defend it. And it was all through ice hockey. Uh, and um, it was really interesting stuff. And, I mean, we've been talking about momentum in the game for a long time, but it just seems as if in this 666... It just seems to be a growing weapon, and the you know the predominance of the importance of centre clearances. If you, it's the only way you can get momentum, really. I mean, we saw Melbourne win a flag Grand because yep. they got the momentum, and you know, Bulldogs maybe next time will put two blokes behind the ball, and not go inside the ball. But it's it's a really fascinating uh, art in the the coaching part. 
Our pre-match show for AFL Nation. We're at Marvel under the closed roof, counting down to round one for St Kilda and Collingwood, who, who do battle uh, to get their seasons underway. We're here for Holmes Glen Study Sports with St Kilda Football Club at Holmes Glen. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. For all your tiling needs, in stock now. Collingwood AFL Nation for Red Energy Move with Red Energy and Regional Development Victoria. Jared Waitley and Anthony Hudson, Jared Healy and Nathan Jones with you. Uh, the, so we've spent an hour on the on-field, the off-field, which has been um, frankly disturbing through the, the first 48 hours of the season. Perhaps the, the Luke Beveridge side of things first, Jared, in all that you've experienced. We both spoke with Amit Baines, the Chief Executive yep. of the Bulldogs yesterday after the, the full apology was issued, a Restitution was made, a charity donation, which really is a fine. Um, How did you think that resolved? Is it resolved? Oh, I feel it's resolved. I mean, I I think most people understand, uh, including uh, the man himself, that uh, Luke made a big mistake. Uh, Why he made the mistake, I think, is up for Luke to work out so it doesn't happen again, and it's up for the club to work out and uh, make sure, you know, people around him are... Sensing that, you know, it's, this is tight, this is tense, and, uh, you know, we need to just cool, uh, cool the Jets a little bit. But, look, it was disappointing. I'm a big fan of Luke's. I know him quite well. It's not Luke Beveridge, um, and uh, he won't be happy with it. But I've, I was really pleased that they put it behind themselves as quickly as they did. I think it was the, the right time to do it yesterday. Um, he could have fronted the media. He did it via video. But ultimately, I think what he did show was a real honesty and uh, real contrition. And, I mean, such a great asset to the, to the game. It's, I'm glad that it was cleared up. There had to be a complete apology. There yeah. had to yeah. be genuine remorse. Yeah. And then the club had to, had to live their values. And yeah. you, you think through the, the people who are in their key positions is their president is the chief executive of Disney, who would be as good a brand manager yeah. as there is anywhere in the world. Yeah is if you preach these values, you then have to live them. And we know that the coach is the most significant um, figure, head, at the club. So they, yeah, they, they had to get that right. And I agree with you. I think they did. Yeah, it was a challenging time for them all, I'm sure. Um, but 24 hours on, we're not talking about it. I mean, this will be it. I mean, there might be a bit of uh, to and fro tomorrow with the various radio stations, but... This, I think they killed it to a degree. I mean, it's there in history, so if it happens again, obviously it'll rear its head. But uh, they put it behind them pretty quickly, as they needed to do. I mean, Luke Beveridge doesn't need this hanging around for a month. The club doesn't need it. Uh, Bont doesn't need it. The players don't need it. And I think it was a challenge for the uh, the new chairman or president, and I think that she's led a pretty uh, a good outcome. So the, the one on-field ramification is it's very early in the season to be that wound up. Yeah and how a team deals with the disappointment of losing a grand final. They live their summer, and then they present. That, that is tightly wound to, in March. Yeah, I think that's... If I'm Luke Beveridge or if I'm Amit Baines, that's what I'd be trying to explore. You know, what is it that sort of produces outcome? Mm. Because if you are what... If there's something, you know, historical between Tom and Luke, well, that's fine, but it still shouldn't have reared its head in that fashion. So I, if I'm Luke, I'd be sort of 
having uh, introspection and uh, putting the microscope over myself and asking, OK, what is it? Let's deal with it now because I've got to focus on the now, not the past, if that's what's uh, creating the overreaction that we saw. What would the players... Uh, you can't read their minds, and it's, it's, it, in this case, it's very specific for the, that playing group and that coach, but as a player, what would you think they'd be thinking? Oh, I think that um, <clears throat> they may, to a certain extent, understand his passion in terms of why he is angry and emotional in that situation. But also, it's, it's highly impactful, particularly to the senior group. And as Jared touched on before, the values of the club and what they want to stand for, ultimately, you know, we're all human, make mistakes. He would want to have his time back again. But I think how he handled himself is only in, in the players' eyes, he would have enhanced his uh, standing and his leadership as far as, hey, this is, this is not on. He takes responsibility. And, and the players go, yeah, that's right. Like, if we make a mistake, we own it. And we keep moving forward. And ultimately, that's I think that's all they can do. And, and they'd just be looking to, I think, get in behind him and, and, um, and move on with what their job is. I was speaking to a, a, an official at another club and he said, it just it does, get, not, to, um, not to reduce the incident at all, but it just goes to show the, the craziness of the coaches too. Is it just They are on the edge. They are wound up. But, but the great ones kind of have been, haven't they? It's... I was talking to uh, a couple of people about it today, about this incident. The master of the post-match, and I think every coach should get out a few of his tapes, was Kevin Sheedy. Yeah. I have never seen a bloke more positive after a 15-goal belting than Kevin Sheedy. <laughs> he would find something to talk up in a meaningful way that we all knew he was seething at the, the loss. But he would still always look for a positive. Rusey was pretty good at it, yeah, and he yeah. never got flustered. I remember Essendon were like six and seven. To, no, hang on, yeah. six and seven. So, you know, way negative. As a collective, as a press group, we're walking across for the post-match at the MCG, and we thought, right, today he's got no room yeah. to move today. And he comes on and says, today was a great day for the Essendon Football Club. A hundred games into Paul Barnard. That's right. And a hundred games yep. into whatever. And, and, he said, and we're always going, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah. It was just too good. Well, that was Sheeds, though, and he was. Yeah. I mean, Sheeds was a you know an, an unbelievably different person, but an incredible contributor. To this, I mean, one of the great legends of the sport. But that's one of the things that I'll always remember about Kevin Sheedy: how bloody positive he was yep. after a win, after a after loss. A loss. So Luke Beveridge continues on, but Tom Morris doesn't. No. Yesterday he was stood down by Fox Sports, and today he's been told that there's no position for him to continue on. So. Subsequent to his character being drawn into the public sphere, I think unfairly, a a recording comes out which is irredeemable, and, and anyone who's heard it will know that. So you and I have worked with Tom in his entire time at Fox Sports. I also know the other person uh, within the Fox Sports organisation, and to think what her 48 hours mm. would have been like um, to be spoken about in such a way so derogatory and the spin-off for her life and how awful that experience would be is in what we are trying to achieve as a community, never yep. mind sport, as an Australian community and a workplace, this is the only acceptable outcome mm. on that front. I haven't spoken to Tom. I try, but I believe that uh, he's now got a new number and I will talk to him. I've uh, been pretty close to Tom for a period of time and I mean, he, there'd be no one more disappointed than him in himself. Um, 
I mean, Tom is, you know, he's been a fantastic contributor to Fox footy, but he let himself down. And he let himself down on a recording, and it's you know it's it's destroyed his career at Fox Footy, uh, and it's made life very difficult for another colleague at Fox Footy. So uh, there's no winners at all in this whole business. There's lessons lessons for everybody, but there's no winners at all. And uh, you know I feel very sorry about it for uh, a lot of people. He, he has issued his own statement tonight, um, which says I'd, I'd like to unconditionally apologise to everyone for my disgusting and disgraceful comments which became public yesterday. I'm especially sorry to the person involved. No one should ever in any place or at any time be spoken about in that way. I'm deeply ashamed at my behaviour. My comments were hurtful to many and I'll now take the time to listen, learn and work to improve myself, ensuring that I, be I become a better person. I'm truly sorry to everyone. Tom Morris. Yep. And that would be heartfelt. Yeah. It'll be a powerful case study to... Uh, to men broadly, to young yeah. men in their 20s. Yeah. Uh, in every walk, as I said, this is not specific to sport. It plays out before us there. But this, this is in every walk of life in what, um, in what employers are challenged to change and our leaders have failed to change. Mm. We've seen that play out in Canberra. Um, so every level of the community, this will be a, it'll be a powerful case study. And um, to think about how casually... Um, maybe we all do, but maybe a particular generation use their phones. Yep. Um, and what that looks like as you progress through your life. Yeah, there's so many lessons. Um, you know, I've, I went through an era where um, sportsmen's nights were full of ridicule. And if they were taped, there'd be a lot of people embarrassed about what was said. Um, but we are in this new era. Um, and there's lessons for everybody. If you've got a few beers in your system, you've got to be just as careful as uh, if you're dead sober because if you put something on, on air, you'd, you'd want to be happy that your mum saw it. And, uh, you know, it's really sad that uh, Tom has paid a terrible price for what he was probably thinking was a bit of laddish behaviour. On the field, it is... So we have this looming milestone, which I don't think I'm the only one who hopes it doesn't happen tomorrow. <laughs> Lance Franklin's thousandth goal. It's at the wrong ground. It's in the wrong time slot. <laughs> like, every, everything risks being anticlimactic about it when the following week, it's Friday night at the SCG in the full glare. It leads me to wonder, Jared, how could we take this risk? I'm stuffed if I know, Jared, if I could use the vernacular. I'm absolutely petrified this is going to be a blot and an embarrassment for the game. Once you make the decision to move at the home bush, you are entitled, and in fact, it's incumbent upon you as a code to spend 100, 200, 300, whatever dollars it takes to make this a big moment for the game, for Lance Franklin, because this is a showpiece. And we can all remember Plugger kicking the record goals at Sydney. It was a huge build-up. You couldn't buy a ticket. It was easier to get a ticket to the grand final was to see Plugger kick uh, Coventry's record goal. And yet this one, I mean, I've been in Sydney a couple of weeks, uh, only th three weeks ago. Not one word was said. There's been one article in one paper by Mickey O'Loughlin. And if there's less than 30,000 people there, then, you know, somebody needs their ass kicked because that is an embarrassment. Now, I know it's a difficult time. We've had COVID. There's all manner of problems. But this is never going to happen again. This is the final 
1,000 goal kicker <laughs> in history. Is there any chance that somebody may oh. say something about it in Sydney? Yeah. So, Hutto, I don't want you calling his 13th to my Let's hope he well, kicks not. three goals too. <laughs> this is and, and we can have a proper build-up next week at the SCG. We need the game's result to be determined well ahead of time. Yep. And if Buddy gets to four, then it's John Longmire's it's job. It's up to him. Onto the win, yeah, yeah. Buddy. No, onto the bench. On onto the bench. <laughs> yeah. We're leaving We've this. Your draw, just get onto the bench, Buddy. Well, he deliberately missed, do you think, a shot for goal? Well, you can't manipulate these things uh, within a game. That's the risk yeah, of it. Yeah. Is and and the alternative, the hope is that he finishes on nine ninety eight, nine ninety nine, and yeah, we all trek to the next SCG week. next Friday night in the to give it the proper build up that it deserves. I mean, look, I'm not a big fan of Homebush full stop, but the Swans have drawn two times seventy thousand people there. Once against Collingwood, and the other one was against Brisbane yeah, in the prelim final. final. Yeah. I thought I mean, we were banned and we're never going there again. Well, we weren't. But for some godforsaken reason, somebody came up with a good idea that, oh, let's get 45 or 50. You have to get 50 to justify it. And yet, what, we're just going to happen? I mean, this is, this is one of the problems that people have in Sydney that are involved in the game with people in Melbourne who live in the offices here. They don't understand enough about what makes people tick in Sydney. And so well, no one promoted Carlton and Richmond. I asked Brian Cook, who promotes this game. He said, well, you don't have to promote. Well, we know that here, but yeah. you have to, like the rugby league did for a super coach playing his, uh, coaching his 500th game. I mean, the difference has been palpable, and I hope that the crowd turns up to make it, you know, not an embarrassment to some degree. Cricket said, uh, flew Lance Gibbs out to Australia for Dennis Lilly to break the test record. Yeah. And Lilly didn't get a wicket. Lance had to go home and Lilly broke it in the next test. From my, from my understanding, it's just from a personal perspective, I think it's more difficult to get a ticket for the Geelong game next week than it is to get a ticket right. to Homebush. Yeah, which sort of has it all... So maybe they have got to there the unless Buddy kicks his Well, then don't move then, the game yeah. to Homebush. Have yeah. it at... The Giants Stadium. The, the only thing at the cow paddock they've got right is they have a proper sexy screen. That is push ahead. Pete's got the wraparound screen all the way around one end, mm, which geez. looks absolutely sensational. And it does. These must be the these must be the temporary ones before the real ones turn <laughs> up, are they? <laughs> so they've got a, a proper technological wow going on at that ground. Uh, we got, I'm going to pioneer. We're going to play with old bull, young bull. We will get better at it as the week goes. I've already on. had a text full of bull. <laughs> so I don't mind that. We could work with that. I've got a few. We'll try all those next. This is the Full pregame shizen. show for the Beaumont Tiles, Australia's biggest. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. For all your tiling needs, in stock now. For Red Energy, owned by Snowy Hydro, a renewable energy leader and regional development Victoria. Our year is to be spent with the old bull, Jared Healy, and the young bull, Nathan Jones, on Friday night footy. So, a few generational questions. Sort of the in my day, in my day okay. affair, <laughs> maybe, as we go. We'll, we'll work it on it as we go. To each of you, how did you go watching your old team now that you're no longer part of it? You, Melbourne. You couch. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, well, to be honest... Did you watch? I, I was working. <laughs> so... Uh, you know that they, they tried to stitch you up too. They, they replayed your... Um, 
Bailey, Bailey, Bailey. Oh, well, yeah, I did hear that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but uh, like, great reverence until then. Yeah, no, I, I did get that feedback, but I haven't watched it. But I will be watching this year. I, I, sorry, this week. Just wanted to give them something uh, to work on, uh, and there'll be seven, nine games to uh, talk about. But I'll miss the couch, but uh, I must admit, I woke up Monday morning feeling a lot better that there was uh, no stress. <laughs> Con congratulations. I haven't had a chance to say it publicly, Jared, but just an amazing, amazing journey on the couch. Just yeah, it was a long time. It was, I mean, it was 23 years in the finish, and uh, it was, yeah, it was a long time, and uh, we went through a few iterations. I enjoyed every one of them. I love being able to, uh, you know, be part of showing the development of the game. And... Uh, you know, I'll miss I'll miss that interaction, but I'm looking forward to the next chapter uh, of having Mondays off. <laughs> More <laughs> surfing. <laughs> some of the some of the, the post matches of couch and and talking yep. footy way back has been part of the fun, I'm sure. Yeah, they were. I mean, they also changed a hell of a lot. I mean, uh, bloody, you had to go to a. <laughs> it was actually the post match was longer than the show itself. And we got through most of Blighty's stories, uh, which was fantastic. But after 18 weeks in a row getting the same story, it probably, <laughs> it, it probably wore a little bit thin. And then, then it started to uh, get a little bit more salubrious and we, we moved pubs uh, to a more lo a local South Melbourne pub. And I think probably the highlight of that era was uh, when Rusey was on. Mike Shea, myself and Rusey, we turned up there uh, as we did... Um, uh, and Gillam McLaughlin turned up. And that was the day that Gillam McLaughlin signed up Rusey. You could just see that this, <laughs> that this this was... Melbourne's in trouble. We'd been talking about the whole show. And it's just out of the blue, Gillam McLaughlin <laughs> turned up at... Um, uh, I'll, get the, I'll get the name of the pub out later, but... Uh, about, you know, four weeks. So, Rusey, you got anything to tell us? No, nothing to tell you, boys. <laughs> Six or nothing to tell you, boys. About two weeks after the season finished, oh, Rusey... <laughs> You've got something to tell us. And he went on and uh, coached the Demons and uh, set in place some, you know, foundations for what was a fantastic result. And then it actually got a little bit tinny. We just ended up having a few cans uh, with the boys from uh, 360 after the game. Uh, so everyone... I think when you get breakfast radio people in your show, that changes all it. the celebrations change. <laughs> You've got to get home to bed. How will you go, Nathan, watching your old team now that you're not there? Um... I didn't think I'd worry too much until I walked into the G the other night and then there it was again. Um, that feeling of... I think I just missed the build-up. That was the thing for me, the build-up of, like, walking in and I didn't think I'd feel much, but then it was the, the energy in the stadium and wanting to be warming up and ready to compete. I think that'll be the hardest thing, the thing I miss most. Um... I certainly felt it the other night. I was walking in, heading to the committee room with my wife, ready to sort of sit down and enjoy a beer and some food. And I was like, oh, I wouldn't mind playing, you know. Yes. It's, it's, uh, I think that'll take a while to move past it. But, um, no, nah, in, in saying that, um, I'm going to enjoy it, particularly with my kids. I think they've got a much greater appreciation now, particularly my older two. Um, and they've got a great interest to sort of get involved and come and watch and stuff. So... I look forward to that part of it and, um, you know, fostering their love for the game. In your day, in your day, interaction with umpires. What well, was it like for you, Jared? And by the end, what was it like, Nathan? Well, we had uh, pretty good interaction with umpires. They would, they would uh, back chat and, you know, you're able to give them sort of uh, coaching advice along the way. But 
I thought it was a really good relationship between players and, and, and umpires through, through my career. Um, obviously, there was always issues. You know, you didn't agree with things and, you know. But in the end, I think, well, I personally worked out you, it's just a waste of breath. I started off being a, an umpire uh, crit critic and, you know, how could you do that, have a look at it. But, but in the end, you're just wasting your breath and I thought it was counterproductive. We also had, we also had, had proper post-matches where the winning side and the losing side would get together, the umpires would turn up. So there was genuine relationships uh, built and you got to know people as friends. Um, so, you know, I personally had good relationships with umpires. At least I felt I did at the end uh, Clearly of, of the year. Clearly you did. He certainly did. It certainly doesn't hurt in that regard. <laughs> <laughs> By the end, Nathan? I, I don't... I, I uh, can agree with Jared, to be honest. Um, it's probably in a more formal, professional fashion, maybe. Um, there isn't the post-matches that Jared talks of, but there is a lot of interaction. Um, you know, a lot of people ask about rule changes in particular. You know, how, how, how do the players adjust to them? We have umpires down every week of pre-season, and they're umpiring our, like, match simulation sessions and these kind of things. So you build a rapport with them. Um, and obviously, you know, there's frustrations here and there, and there's obviously guys that are going to disagree. But I think from my perspective and my experience, you know, I felt like I had a pretty good relationship as well and uh, never seemed to find myself in too much trouble. So one challenge we've never been able to quite conquer, and that is to allow umpires to show their personalities. They're fantastic guys. I've got, you know, I've got a lot of good friends that are former umpires, and yet we don't see that come across through media. Bit of old bull, young bull on AFL Nation. Peking Duck is playing here at Marvel. We'll preview the game shortly for Holmes Glen. Study sports with St Kilda Football Club at Holmes Glen. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. For all your tiling needs, in stock now. Australia's informed women cricketers will face the last team to beat them at a World Cup tomorrow, but the Aussies say their focus is on the match ahead, not the past. Megalan inside take on India and Auckland tomorrow afternoon, with a win to secure them a semi-final berth in the 50-over World Cup. Australia is top of the World Cup ladder, undefeated after four games. Jockey Nashville Willer will ride Dallas Ann in tomorrow's Group 1 George Ryder Stakes at Rose Hill, replacing an injured Chad Schofield. Natalie Wood will become the fourth woman to coach an AFLW side after being named as head coach for Essendon's inaugural season. And Rafael Nadal has beaten Nick Kyrgios in a drama-filled and tightly fought Indian Wells quarterfinal. The Spaniard beat Kyrgios 7-6, 5-7, That's the latest in sport. I'm April Austin. Fuchs Lubricants, Australian made with German technology that pays back. This is the pre-game show for Beaumont Tiles Trade Club for all your tiling needs in stock now. Uh, the teams are as selected for tonight. Tom Wilson's the sub for Collingwood. And regrettably, I think Nasai Wanganin Millera is the sub for St Kilda. It's wrong to barrack for an injury, and yet um, it's a strange way to mm. make your debut. I still think it, I know the adjustment was made last year, but for such a a name that we've all been looking for, there's a sense of anticlimax <laughs> that is the medical sub, Nathan. Oh, absolutely. I um, I'm not sure how I feel about it, really. Uh, well, funnily enough. Technically, my last game, I played as a sub and didn't get on the field. So um, you feel their pain. I Joseph. feel their pain. Yeah. So um, oh, I'm not sure. I don't think it should technically qualify as a game, unless you're sub on. Would be my view. 
Um, but yeah, I guess that's the way it's that's the way it is at the minute. And um, I think the play the players adjust to it. But I think yeah. for us as fans and you know the broadcaster, you know, I think it, it would be better off being the other way. Can I share the change when when the um, uh, Adrian Anderson introduced the original sub? It was. 22nd man, so we had 21 on 1, 22. And there was this hue and cry from coaches and a hue and cry from the players who were the sub. And yet it seems to me that because it's 22 and, th and 1, it seems to have changed and been become all of a sudden more acceptable. Yeah, I don't know. I think maybe the, the tactical element to it may have been the cause for frustration, whereas now it's cold, hard, genuine in in injury. Yeah. You play. If not, you don't. So I think that from from a player's perspective, you can probably process that a bit more other than the fact that you're sitting there and at some point you may be played, that trigger might be pulled, could be any one of the players on the ground, doesn't necessarily have to be an injury. Yep. Um, you know, I think that sort of just adds to the anxiousness of it. Um, and from a player's sense, I think that just sits more comfortably mm. other than the, than the other way around. You were saying Oscar McDonald last night got the full treatment yeah. as, as a first gamer for Carlton, despite being the medical sub back in round one last, last year. Last year and, and being subbed on and playing. Yeah. So, yeah, I was actually, funnily enough, out on the ground. He was going through a jumper presentation and I had to double take because I was like, Have you, he's already played a game. And, um, yeah, funnily enough, he, uh, well, they counted last night as his debut for the second time. So, nice. um Double debut. Yeah. <laughs> Played well too, Oscar. He did very well. So a bit of uh, 1920s mm. treatment of uh, when the Saints go marching in from the band out in the middle and the flags are, are set, the banners, so we'll see the team shortly. The Hyundai Staria load is the van that is big on safety and big on tech. It's the only commercial van to receive five-star rating and platinum awards for safety from ANCAP. And now it's yours for 47990 drive away. Take a tech drive today. Hutto, you've been having a look at the teams for various games that remain in round one. What have you gleaned? Well, uh, we'll get to the Sunday games in a moment, but just quickly tomorrow at the MCG, Geelong and Essendon. Tyson Stingle will debut for the Cats at his third club. Nick Martin, who's a great story coming out of the West as a mature recruit, has forced his way into the Essendon team. He will debut, as will Jack Kelly, having played with Adelaide. And Kane Baldwin, another terrific story. Emotional, as he told his mum during the week. Two knee reconstructions. He gets his chance with Harry Jones in to play up forward. A tip in that one, Jared. Geelong and Essendon. I'm going for the Cats uh, this uh, early in the season, Hutter. Big okay. game for Geelong. It is. Stringer not playing, of course, for Essendon, so Cats will start favourites there. The Saints hit the deck out here at Marvel Stadium. The lights are suddenly on and we're not far away, so we'll move through this quickly. Jared Brander, ex-Eagle, will play for the Giants. Uh, Angus Sheldrick, who Gary Lyon alluded to a few weeks ago, being someone who's been really impressive, like he did in the draft. He's come from nowhere to make his debut for the Swans, along with Paddy McCartan, who has been the other feel-good story, uh, a former Saint, as uh, his old team run out at, at the moment at, uh, at Marvel. Darcy Fort, the ex-Cat, will play for Brisbane. Jackson Mead, uh, who's a father-son at Port Adelaide, and Jeremy Finless, and a former Giant, will make his debut in that big game on Saturday night. Now, Sunday, Max Lynch, Connor McDonald and Josh Ward. Uh, Josh Ward's been unbelievable in the, in the pre-season, and Connor McDonald has been excellent as well as a first-up player from last year's draft for Hawthorne. Callum Coleman-Jones comes in to make North Melbourne pretty tall, where they're going to play mm. Sherry and also um, Todd Goldstein, so he will, he will play the former Tiger, and of course, some bloke called the Hornet, Jason Horn Francis, to make his debut. Hugh Greenwood, another at a third club. In that one, the Kaczynski 
not even in the team for Hawthorne, so Mitch Lewis's pre-season form has been strong there, despite the fact that there's no McAvoy and Gunston uh, and, uh, and Luke Bruce for the Hawks due to COVID. Adelaide and Fremantle, Jordan Dawson uh, has a new club. Jack Saligo and Josh Rochelle have been really super impressive. They'll debut for the Crows. Jordan Clark, the ex-cat, and Will Brody, the ex-son, to debut for Frio in that one. And the West Coast and the Gold Coast, Patrick Nace, the ex-Tiger, Hugh Dixon, the ex-Docker, Bradley Howe, I believe it's pronounced, uh, Hoff, I believe it's announced, uh, Brad, Brad, I'll try that again, Brady Hoff will make his debut. He was also out of last year's draft. And Sam Petrescu-Seaton, the ex-Blue, will make his debut for the Eagles. So four newcomers there. And then Levi Casbolt and Marbior Child will run around uh, as ex-Blue and ex-Tiger for the Gold Coast Suns. And well done to the Saints, Jared. I think it's worth noting that uh, the pre-match entertainment was a step up on what yeah. it often has. And it's set a scene. I mean, it feels like we're at a genuine uh, event here tonight. And uh, that's been part of it. So well done to... Uh, the guys who sort that out and uh, put it together. And well choreographed that right at the end of the stage presentation, the Saints ran out and they flicked yep. the lights on, so it, it was all beautifully synchronised. Let's go into the garage, shall we, for our match preview thanks to Autobahn. Autobahn has all your top automotive gear at low prices. Jared Healy and Nathan Jones, you can kick it around together for a little bit. What's in store as the Saints and the Pies? Right, a young bull, take it away. <laughs> <laughs> well... I'm, uh, I'm pretty excited about the Pies, to be honest. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can produce tonight. Uh, we covered it earlier on <clears throat> around the, the, the players and the list that they actually have out there tonight, some of the experience. And as individuals, um, you know, I guess they're standing in their own right. But it's uh, what's more exciting as Collingwood enter the arena to a big, big cheer and uh, loud applause. You know, I'm pretty, uh, pretty keen to see how... Uh, Fly McRae can, uh, has galvanised this group yeah. and, uh, and what style of footy um, he's able to sort of get them to play with the cattle that he's got. Yeah, there's a lot of question marks about Collingwood. I think uh, we're all in awe of uh, their long-time captain in Scott Pendlebury. He moves the half-back flank. And they've got Nick Dacos, who everyone's talked about, also on a back flank. At least that's where they're known. We expect them to play there. The issue for me is, will they defend? Will they be able to tighten up on Butler and Higgins, who are both hard-running small forwards? And that, to me, is going to be a challenge how they counterbalance the attack and the defensive elements for them because they're going to have to charge up the ground. I watched Scott Penelbury do it uh, against the Giants a couple of weeks ago, and he outthought his opponent a lot of times. So uh, his ability to be able to read the play is going to be significant. And then it comes down to to midfield. I mean, Collingwood have got a little... They're a little bit skinny in the midfield, but uh, Taylor Adams is, is back and side bottom, we know, has been a stalwart for a long time. But when there's no penalty, it means somebody else has to step up. Cripps had a... Crisp had a fantastic year last year and can't be underrated. Lipinski's been added, but uh, they do look a little bit skinny, and it's a, an opportunity, I think, for the midfield of St Kilda do, you know, make a statement. Gresham comes back. We know he's potentially an A-grader long-term. Hopefully he will be. Brad Crouch is still trying to rebuild his career. But they also, with Jack Steele and Seb Ross, you know, they are a little bit skinny as well. So it's, it's, it's probably the second division versus the second division of mids that's going to determine this as against uh, the starting lineups. Yeah, absolutely. I think on the flip side, on the, for down there, the forward line for the Saints, I'm pretty excited to see big Maxi King in action. Yep. Um, you know, I've spent a little bit of time watching, obviously, with Zach playing for the Saints, but 
uh, when he puts it together, he's he puts bums on seats. There's no doubt about it. And uh, if, I think if he can get hold of the Collingwood uh, defence, it's going to be a tough night. But that matchups uh, sort of a game within a game that everyone will be watching. You think Moore would probably take him? So um, no, it's uh, oh, that's that's one to look forward to. One of the fascinating elements of Collingwood is that they're pretty poor at centre clearances, and yet Brody Grundy is one of the best at first possession. So. He gets it to his first possession teammate, and but they still have trouble getting the ball out. And then Fly uh, will have worked on that, and they will also have worked on that. So that's one interesting element. I think the other one to me is um, Mason Cox. Now, he's going with the glasses, we believe. I saw him with the glasses on uh, up in Sydney two yeah, weeks he's ago. he's got them all right. He struggled to a large extent, but I think... Brody Majacek may well be the most important player for Collingwood at the present time. They looked a little bit dysfunctional in the forward line. They looked as if they needed a Majacek coming out of the goal square. I suspect he will play deep and uh, Cox will start at centre-half forward. But they still look pretty potent to me, Jonesy. Elliot, Majacek, Dugowie, Cox, side bottom, I suspect, will go deep. I mean, there's some talent down there. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, that's what excites me about looking at them tonight is how has he been able to bring that group together and how can they function more efficiently and yep. effectively as a team? I think we, we've alluded to the fact that their midfield depth on both sides of the, of the coin tonight may be a little under the weather, but ultimately there is enough talent on the park, for, in particular in Collingwood's eyes, to say, hey, you know, they are capable of something if, if they have the system and structure behind them um, to bring them together to produce their best, uh, which, you know, for, for Collingwood fans, I think they'd be pretty excited to witness that and see uh, see what they've invested in for the future. I'm glad to see Mason Cox is going into the middle of the ground. He's doing some ruck preparation here. I, I think if he is going to make it, and he's been around for six years now, he has to be both a ruckman and he's got to be a weapon and a target in the forward line. And it's now or never in many respects for uh, Brody. He's been given a licence really to explore his game by the new coach who's uh, had a long-term relationship with him. But he's got to deliver. I think he needs to cover a few more Ks uh, to get the best out of himself. You know, don't be a plotter. You know, run. And if you can't run, get off the ground and uh, recover. But he's a significant, he's a significant I think, uh, facet in whether Collingwood can re-emerge this season or not. If he becomes a... A serious player then they're a chance because they do need another asset up forward yeah absolutely i think the if they can get the balance right between grundy and cox i think that adds a dynamic which makes it which makes it very difficult to play against if he can get back to his best where he's a damaging tuck tap ruckman that then follows up at ground yep. level and clears the footy and surges the ball forward and they gain meters and yardage from those clearance situations I think that's a huge, huge win in terms of the progress that they could make up the ladder this season. Oliver Henry's the other one to keep an eye out. Good young talent, got uh, good DNA, and uh, he's going to be playing in that forward half as well. Our experts are dressed thanks to Ringers Western. Ringers Western clothing looks great in the city. Toughs it out on the land. We're calling every game across this weekend. This is game number three on AFL Nation. You can also watch your team every game, every round on KO Sports. And the warm-ups are happening down below us at the moment for Ream. Ask your plumber to install a Ream steady, hot and strong. They've got a match-up or two in mind. So the ruck, Rowan Marshall is being forecast to shortly graduate to the very best. 
and Sprody Grundy has, has been there. Uh, but he's come off that marker in recent seasons. He has, but uh, look, I reckon he's got leaner. I saw him closely uh, in the practice match. He was running so hard. He was really impressive. I'd be surprised if he's not uh, pushing back up for all-Australian level this year. He's, uh, he's excellent in the centre clearance in setting out his teammates, even though he's not the tallest of ruckmen. But, but the ruckmen are only one facet of getting the ball out of the middle. It's an overrated facet, in my view. They, you know, they're in determining about uh, 12 to 15% hit-outs to advantage. That even doesn't make you get the ball out. You've got to then get the next possession and the next possession. But he looks to me as if he's done a huge pre-season and uh, he's set himself up. And hopefully uh, we're going to see the same for his uh, opposite number because Rowan Marshall, if the Saints are going to go forward, he's got to be pushing up for all Australian squad honours at least. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the Marshall one's an intriguing one for me. We've alluded to it earlier tonight about Saints' depth and being able to find a way. He's generally played his best footy when Rod has been in the team, but tonight he assumes the number one mantle. And I think the test, can he carry that midfield yep. on his back? with his follow-up, with his launch, with his attack on the footy, and, uh, and you know, obviously give first supply to those Saints mids. Against the Grundy, as you said, who looks primed and ready to answer some of the critics of the past year or two. Darcy Moore's a beauty. We, uh, we've all sort of enjoyed the way he's graduated from a, a bloke who couldn't quite get there as a forward, and he's become one of the premier defenders in the competition. I thought it was a failed, you know, experiment last year to play him forward, and I'm glad they've got him back. I reckon he'll go to Max King, and Max King should be enjoying that, getting the best backmen and putting them to the sword. Yeah, 100%. I mentioned it before. I think that's the it's a game within a game, really. You know, you come to the footy to see contests like that. Um, obviously, a young up-and-coming superstar, really, against the genuine key-defending yep. um, star of the competition. So... Um, you know, that's a salivating matchup, really, one that I'm looking forward to watching for sure. And um, I think it'll be a real determining factor in the game, really. Other question marks, I reckon, Josh Battle across the half-back line. He's played wing this time last year. He's played high half-forward. They've tried him in a lot of positions. They've settled him. I think they're going to settle him at centre-half-back. And Brad Hill across the half-back line, do they tag him or do they let him run free? That's all for Autobahn Top Gear Low Prices. The Kubota cast, we're inside tonight. The roof is closed. It's 19 degrees outside for Kubota. Together we are sharing and building Australia. The ground is in terrific, Nick. There's nothing quite like these surfaces at the start of the season when they haven't been used. That's for Pope. The better way to water. Pope's drip ease makes drip irrigation a breeze. And unmissable moments for drink-wise. It was Warney's young lad who tossed the coin. Uh, he, he had to do it twice. Ray said to him, oh, you're going to have to do that again. Gee. Choose to drink wise. You won't miss a moment if you drink wise. Scott Pendlebury won the toss. He'll kick to the right as we look at it. So the son of the greatest spinner of all time couldn't, couldn't get the spin right. Couldn't get it right. <laughs> the, uh, the crowd's built, hasn't it? Yeah, as it has. So a final word from our experts, Shawl Unify. Your national uniform and workwear experts. Who are you tipping, Nathan Jones? I'm going to go with the Saints, I reckon. Jared Healy. Yeah, I'm going to hang with the Saints as well. I just love round one. Look, there's some weird results in round one, so everybody's in it. Let's just hope we get a similar style of game. I think you were almost alluding to the fact, Jared, that you thought the Sharon had been set slightly free in these first two rounds, which has been great to watch. Bless. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. <laughs> maintain the rage, Jared. Maintain the rage. Footy's back, and I'm loving it. Never miss a single goal with McDelivery. 
Hutto with the opening bounce for tyre power. Save on Kumo. Storewide Super Sound now on Friday night footy on AFL Nation. It's felt very much like a concert more than a footy match up till now. The final 10 seconds. The countdown is on. They are pointing the Collingwood midfielders down to the right to go. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.